Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for February 19th, 2008. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined each week by our team of Orlando experts, Bob Varley, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. In this week's show, we'll tell you about the top news stories on the Diz, including the protests that are currently taking place by union members in Disneyland. Kevin Close has his review of Boatwright's Restaurant at Port Orleans Riverside, and he has a re-review of the Portobello Yacht Club at Downtown Disney. I'll also tell you about some of the great behind-the-scenes tours you're going to find at SeaWorld. All that plus Roundtable Rapid Fire in this week's edition of the Diz Unplugged. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Housekeeping is going to be much, much, much shorter this week. I just actually have uh, a couple of things. Uh, first, just want to remind you that we are looking for your best cast member experiences. Uh, now, we're only taking those as voicemails. A couple of people have sent us an emails. We are not doing anything with those emails. It needs to be a voicemail. So if, uh, if you want to tell us your best cast member story, you could give us a call, 877-310-9662. And starting with this show, we're going to be playing some of those in between some of our segments. And I got to tell you, I, I, I li- I've listened to everyone that was sent there. We got a whole bunch of them last week. We got a lot. And it was really fun to sit and listen to some of these stories. There's some great stories people are calling in with, some really, really great experiences. And uh, this is just our way of kind of giving a shout-out to cast members and you know, uh, giving some recognition to these guys. These guys work very, very hard. You'll hear me criticize the quality of some of the service from time to time and from place to place at Disney. But there are some really, really great cast members working there. And I think for as critical as we can be, we have to be equally vocal and saying thank you to the cast members who do a great job. So that's our way of doing it. We need your support to do it. It's also a great way to uh, get a Diz Unplugged t-shirt because like with anything else, if we play your voicemail or read your email on the show, we will send you a Diz Unplugged t-shirt or a Diz Unplugged pin and lanyard if you'd prefer. And you also get into our monthly drawing. We take uh, all of the uh, emails and voicemails that we played on the show and at the end of the month, we select one at random, and we give away some great prizes. So just another way, you know, I know a lot of you are sending in emails and get a little frustrated that if we don't read them on the air, this is a way for you to get in the drawing. So give us a good cast member story, because that's what I'm looking for, and we're getting a lot of them in, so you've got some competition for this. But go ahead and give us a good cast member story, and uh, you have a shot at winning some prizes. So unless anybody else has any housekeeping, that was really all I had this week. Good for me. Wow. Okay, good. I do have one. Last week we talked about a post on the Diz Unplugged board from Little Mick 3 about her husband going into the service right? and the support. I've actually been in correspondence with Michelle, and she tells me that this is invaluable, that it is absolutely. She and her husband are talking about it. He's gone already. But the, he calls up and is thrilled to hear that she's getting... That she's getting some support. That must make him feel a lot better. Right. Being so away. I just wanted to let you know that this not only goes out to them, but I understand that other service people are reading this, and the show of support is really terrific for the, the service people. Well, always know that uh, I don't care where you are in the political spectrum. I haven't met anybody yet that doesn't vocally and stand behind... Everybody, all the men and women who are who are serving in, in the armed services, whether they're overseas or here in the U.S. So, all right, with that, we'll end housekeeping, and we're going to move on to the news. Our first news story this week 
is about Disney's search for a chief magical officer. We didn't discuss this when it was first announced a few months ago, but uh, Disney is uh, in the search for a chief magical officer, and what they've done is they've asked anybody who wanted to uh, uh, anybody who wanted to be considered for this to do a video and post it up on on YouTube on why they would be a great chief magical officer. And the list has now been narrowed down to 20 finalists. And uh, the Internet is buzzing over who these candidates are with uh, our folks on the Diz boards keeping track over the top of the uh, top picks. We're going to have a link to that thread in our show notes page this week. Uh, animation, special effects, and pixie dust have been part of the imaginative submissions that have come in. Now, when the voting for this opens on March 2nd, the list of uh, finalists will be down to 10. And then the top three finalists will end up competing at a Disney theme park. Now, following an online vote, the winner will be Disney's first chief magical magic, chief magic official and will serve as a goodwill ambassador for the following year. This is very similar to what they did for the... Uh, the Jobs. The Jobs. Job for, Disney Job, cast member for a Disney day. Disney cast member for a day uh, promotion they did last year. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I think this is a. It's a great way to engage the fan community, and it's creative. I think this is really. It's really cute. It, it can border on, you know, sickeningly sweet. But um, my, I'm the chief magical officer for Disney. How much are they paying? I mean, do they get an office? I mean, like, oh, what, I believe what's they get paid for the CMO yeah. on the there, outside. There, there, do they, <laughs> there's a cast. I don't believe it's a lot. I think they're considered a, a cast member, and they're going to be required to be in the parks a certain number of hours. Uh, it's kind yes. of like American Idol, okay, or Miss America. Yeah, <laughs> you get to be Miss America for a year. So, yeah, we have a list of uh, we have a list of all the people who are in contention for the the top twenty finalists right now, and links to all of their all of their videos. And uh, we'll have more details on this uh, on the site on the on the show notes page podcast.wdwinfo.com. Um, our next news story that was a short one actually I, it was kind of a slow news week so um, which is good because last week's show was so long <laughs> killed me editing. You know, that show. no one complains. I know, I know. They love I, it when we're long. You know what's funny though? You know what's funny is that you know when we started the show, I didn't want it over thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, and. It went from 30 minutes to 40. From, then I started pushing it to 45, and then nobody was complaining, so we went to an hour. And then we started doing like an hour and 15. And I'll tell you now, we're not doing a two-hour show every week. <laughs> Although I guess we really are when you, can, when you count what we do with uh, the email yes. show and the regular yep. show. So, All right, our next news story is uh, Disney's 2008 marathon raised $7.6 million for charity. Um, the largest portion of that uh, is $5.6 million and has been earmarked for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, the AT Children's Project works towards ending rare childhood dis- diseases, and they're going to receive $900,000. And the remainder is going to be distributed to other organizations. And since the Dar- Disney Marathon began 15 years ago, it has raised over $52 million in charitable donations. So that, That's a great number. That is a great number. It's one of the things Disney does well when yeah, they, they do. go out and, 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 and really support a lot. They, they do an enormous amount for Give Kids the World here in Orlando. Yeah. If you're not familiar with them, that is a, uh, uh, that is a, a resort for children with life-threatening uh, illnesses where they can go and get the kind of medical care they need 
um, and still come to Disney World and still have those experiences in the village. The Give Kids the World Village is just something to behold. They have a movie theater, an ice cream parlor, great little condos set up for these. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So we're going to have to do something on that soon. Um, go yep. do a story on, on those guys. They really are terrific. We did one a number of years ago. I think it's absolutely time to update that. So, But uh, kudos to Disney for raising all that money for uh, some very, very good causes. And our final news story, unfortunately, these people out in uh, the Union and Disney cannot, out in California, cannot seem to agree on where they're going to hold the contract talks. We're still at this. Where are they going to actually meet? The members of Local 681 picketed the Grand Californian and Paradise Pier hotels last week, according to the Orange County Register. At issue is the site of the talks. Uh, Disney is wanting to hold the talks at the Anaheim Hilton or at the Union headquarters. The Union is demanding they move the negotiations onto Disney property, where it's always where they have always been held in the past. But the but the fact of the matter is, in the past they didn't have the contentious fight over low-income housing that they had last year, and that's why Disney doesn't want doesn't want this on on Disney property. They're afraid of the pickets. They don't want the pickets. And this is exactly what they're getting. And they really think that picketing out in front of the Grand Californian is going to make this better? This is exactly what Disney didn't want. Now they're definitely not going to do it. I mean, these places are just, you could throw a rock to the other place. I know. It's ridiculous. It's It's the Union Grand. Like I said last week, it's the Union Grandstanding. But now one union member named Angelica Gutierrez stated that, quote, we want insurance, we want raises, and we want respect because the company doesn't give us respect either. It's estimated that there were between 350 and 560 protesters picketing out in front of the hotels last week. Hmm. And uh, that's just a shame. That's just a crying, crying shame. Um, I'm really hoping that uh, something breaks, that something happens, and that they're able to, uh, they're able to, to, to solve this soon. But they can't even sit down. They can't even sit down and have a, a, have a, have a negotiation. It's absurd. It looks like they're trying to drag it out to a time period later. They want to embarrass Disney. I think there's a lot of bad blood over that. Uh, I'm telling you, that that housing issue, that low-income housing issue from last year, even though, you know, it's the deal is dead, it's not going to happen, there's a lot of bad blood out there about this. And, you know, I was, you know, and I I think I was pretty critical of Disney during that, that whole period. I didn't think they handled it well. And to some degree... Although I really don't approve of the way the the union is handling themselves, this is on some level Disney's chickens coming home to roost. Um, they were heavy-handed in how they approached that. They looked like, even though I'm sure this was not the mindset, the way it came across to the public, this whole low-income housing thing, was that Disney didn't want poor people. That's exactly, now whether it was just framed that way in the press or that's really what it was, that's how it came off looking. So now you have a union of 2,300 hotel workers who would have been the very people that would have filled those low-income housing units, and they're, they're ticked off. I think Disney should have handled that issue. They should have seen this coming if they had handled that issue a little bit better. That's the, only, that's the only thing I'll give to the union on this one is that Disney did handle that poorly, and they did treat them poorly during that, that whole negotiation, that whole battle. So that chickens are coming home to roost. But the union... The union is grandstanding. It's not representing the best interests of its, of its uh, employees right now by doing this, by, by making these ridiculous issues. There are important issues that need to be discussed, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't discuss insurance or raises or any of that stuff. You've got to sit at the table and talk about it. 
Because the ones who are going to lose are these 2,300 people whose jobs depend on Disney right now. Those are the ones who are going to get hurt, and that's who the union's supposed to be protecting, not their, not their media. So hopefully, hopefully it'll stop because I, I was, I, you know, I'm, I'm planning on going out there soon, but I won't. Uh, I think I've mentioned this in the show before. I will not cross a picket line uh, for any reason. I will not cross a picket line. So I can't go to Disneyland as long as that's going on. So I'm hoping that ends really, really soon because I'm dying to get out there. I haven't been out there. I think for a if long you time. take the monorail, you can get around the picket line. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I come from a. You know, it's just a thing. I mean, I come from a family uh, that was very union. A lot of Teamsters in my family, believe it or not. At one point, for a very, very brief period of time, I was also a Teamster. Yes, I actually was a card-carrying Teamster for about three months. And then they threatened to take away my gay membership card. So, no, but, you know, I, I, I've lived through strikes. I've lived through, you know, when my dad, when his, when his company would go out and strike. And I, I know what that's like. I know what that was like for my parents. And uh, even when I worked at UPS, I wouldn't cross the picket line, so... But let's hope that that gets, uh, that gets resolved soon for their sake and for all the people who are visiting. I don't think anybody going out there on vacation is really interested in seeing that, that spoils, sort of nonsense. Spoils the magic. So, All right, folks. Like I said, it was a slow news week, so that is going to do it for the news. And we will we'll move right on into Rapid Fire. Who would like to go first? I'll go. Go ahead, Corey. Uh, two bands have been added to Universal's Mardi Gras concert schedule. When the schedule first came out, there were two dates that were still to be announced. So on April 5th, Huey Lewis and the News will I'm be there. I'm excited about them. And on April 19th, Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> Diana, Diana pass on them. Diana's <laughs> happy about that one. Chunks. What, Earth, Wind, and Fire? Yeah. 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 That's going to be interesting. Cool. Were they, were they big in the 70s? Is that right? Uh, 60s and 70s. 60s and yeah. 70s. 60s and 70s, yeah. You Very. have no idea, do you? No, not really. If you heard, there's a couple <laughs> of songs if you heard the them. News. They were big in the there's 80s. a couple of songs if you heard them. He would know. You yeah. would know them. I'm sure a couple of songs were played at your wedding. Yeah, they're one of those bands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like Cool and the Gang, okay. and gotcha. you know those kind of songs. So cool. Corey's Mr. Just Close smiling over there. <laughs> My rapid fire is about the restaurant at Downtown Disney, T Rex. Uh, there's been some chatter on the board about when it's going to be open, and people are assuming that it's going to be open in late spring or early summer. There is a sign up now that says will not open until early fall. And from the looks of construction, you can start to see the construction over the the wood shielding that they've put up. And there are concrete walls up, but there's no roofing on this structure. It's definitely going to be late fall. Yeah. Yeah, there's no ceiling. Yeah. This is also a much larger structure than I assumed it was going to be. And it is smack dab between the McDonald's at Downtown Disney and that that entrance to uh, Pleasure Island. Mm and Portobello Yacht Club. It sits right there in the middle. Yeah. Are they going to put, like, large-sized dinosaurs inside this thing? Oh, you that's why it's got to be so big? Oh, Garish. Yeah. Garish is the name of the game with these guys. Uh, the guys, you know, These are the people who brought us the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. The tackier, the better. This building is going to be huge. It is. Crazy. And there's going to have six seats for people who want to eat, and the rest of it's a gift shop. Can and you it's imagine have dinosaurs screaming as you're eating? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's gonna ha- and it's gonna have you know their their hallmark uh, mediocre overpriced food. So, every- something everybody should look forward to. I'm gonna be overcharged for meals and then be assaulted by God knows what while I'm trying to eat. 
velociraptors. <laughs> I know it's great for kids. And before you start sending in your emails, you don't understand kids. I do understand. And I think it's great. I, it makes me – restaurants like that make me happy I don't have kids. <laughs> so that I never have a reason to go sit in there and be ripped off and, and have my senses assaulted by the food I'm eating, the things I'm smelling – the nonsense I'm listening to from the people at the table next to me and the damn animatronics screeching in my ear. <laughs> There's the rant that people love so much. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you see, yeah, people keep talking about, oh, Pete should do a rant segment. It, the, I can't. I can't. I, I can't plan this. It's just got to <laughs> fall out of me. So when we it can comes just out plant of me, like hot this, topics here and there. So, and soapbox it. just comes out on a minute. Oh, you guys do that already. You guys absolutely <laughs> will bring things up that you know I'm going to get going on. So. No. Who, me? Us? <laughs> No way. <laughs> All right, Kevin, thank you very much for that update. John, what do you have? I have a rapid fire that actually has visual aids I'm very excited about. A couple weeks ago. <laughs> pulling a bob. I am pulling a bob. That's right. I'm sure Corey can get him up on the site. A couple of weeks ago, we went to a friend of ours, invited us to dinner for their grandson who was having a birthday, and we decided to get them some Disney dollars. Have you guys seen Disney dollars lately? They are incredible works of art. I wasn't able to pick up any of the pirate ones, but I got Disney dollars for everybody to look at. Take one down. Pass oh, I it thought around. he was going to say it for everybody. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks, John. <laughs> you guys can keep them. You're not going to get very far. It's a dollar. It's a dollar. I mean, it's not like it's, you know. But I think they're really cool. You can cool. take one and stick it in Diana's G-string. Ariel has oh. a very come-hither look on her she face. She does. But look at the sparkles in it. And the sort of hologram thing in it. I think these are incredible works mm-hmm. of art. And I think that if you're looking for something to take home... Well, I think incredible art, work of art might be overselling it a bit, but you don't think cute. The, the pirate ones well, are incredible. They have to do incredible stuff because these can be uh, counterfeited just as well as yeah, anything else. The advent of uh, color, so color ink jets. Now, are these the new ones? I heard they're, they're coming out with new ones in March. I heard these that. are the newest ones I found. Okay. There's these and there's pirates. Well, didn't I hear something that they were discontinuing these altogether? I actually have some information on that. I'm combining rapid fire with the email show. Cool. <laughs> I had planned to do this set, the rapid fire about the the Disney dollars for a while, and in the interim, someone okay, yeah, that's where I read it. it was an email that came in. That's right. Patty Anderson from Merchantville, New Jersey. Uh, she said that she had heard that they were going to con- discontinue the production of Disney dollars, and I did some digging, and that's not exactly true. What happens is Disney doesn't want to have so many of these in circulation, so they hold back the distribution of them until they know that there's sort of this, they got a certain amount back and a certain amount oh, are at the same yeah, time. That would, that would make sense. But this is a big money-making thing for them. They're not going to discontinue Disney dollars. They'll just keep doing different designs and different stuff. The big popular ones right now are the princesses. Mm. Cinderella's on a 5, Stitch is on a 10, and I forget what the other ones are, so... That's just amazing that you know they've, they've gone out and made their own currency. It, it really is something you know. To it's just a gift certificate. Uh, I understand that, but however, that thing it costs more than a dollar to make. That's got to cost more than a dollar, don't you think? No, I think with the volume of them they make, probably not. I mean, these are as close to the real U.S. dollar. I mean, if you look at the yeah, design yeah. on the side with the watermarks and oh, everything, yeah, yeah. it's like really neat. For a I like it. Mickey in there or something, and the treasure is Scrooge McDuck. I have a story about Disney dollars. One year, uh, around the 25th anniversary, I decided to give my folks their annual pass. And instead of going out and buying an annual pass, I went out and bought them each 
$300 worth of $1 Disney dollars. I thought that was just a cute way to wrap it up and something to open on Christmas morning. And I went to a store at, I don't know if it's even still there, it was called Worldport at Point Orlando, and got 600 I gave them each $300 Disney dollars. Come to find out, I didn't know this, they were sequential. So we had 600 sequential 25th wow. anniversary $1 Disney dollars. Wow. And... When we went to buy their passes, I think we just used a credit card. And one day we went back and we said, listen, um, we just want to turn these back into money. Is that possible? And the woman behind the counter, now this was before I was really well-versed in eBay or something like that, said, these are sequential. And you have 600 of them. I said, right. She said, are you sure you want to turn these back in? And I said, yeah, the $600 at that point in time meant $600. Come to find out if you had them now. They would be worth vastly more than six hundred dollars. Wow! Because of the way what John said, they um, they only use them for a short time before coming up with a new design. And past Disney dollars are collectible. Hmm. Wow! Yeah, these aren't the new ones. This is the two thousand seven series. I just saw that. I just thought they were cute. Yeah, they are. Maybe we can scan it and put sample over it or something like that, so no one can. I think it's a great way. It's It was a great gift for, um, as we said, we went to a six-year-old's birthday party. And to give them Disney dollars, it just is a, it's a, it's a nice way to give kids a gift. And I also think it's nice that they have ones for girls and ones for mm-hmm. boys. Right. And it's better than a gift certificate. I mean, you get a little plastic card with Mickey on it. It doesn't really mean much. Right. This is actual money. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you very much, John, for the uh, rapid fire with props and money. <laughs> My- just to let you know. The lady who wrote in, I've already provided Julie with her email. She'll be getting a T-shirt or excellent a pin and lanyard. <laughs> well, my uh, my rapid fire is very very rapid indeed. Bob, what do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Pete, I have. This is something that doesn't happen very often. Uh, Wednesday, February twentieth, there's going to be a lunar eclipse, and it starts at eight forty p.m. Uh, the full eclipse will be. Uh, happening at 10 p.m. and lasts for about an hour. The Magic Kingdom... What's next? The announcement of the vernal equinox? No, no. But if you're in the Magic Kingdom, uh, the uh, park's open till 11 p.m. that night. There may be some photo ops there that you might not be able to get another time. So I just wanted to tie those two together. Okay. So that's my rapid fire. Okay. Thank you very much. Mrs. Martin. There's a new Hannah Montana package that's going to be exclusive to the Downtown Disney Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. It's already begun. It's $109.05. It's going to include a wig, t shirt, makeup, her headset, a backstage pass makeup kit, um, the guitar purse that's already for sale inside most of the gift shops, and a commemorative photo. There's also a rumor that the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique could be coming to MGM, oh, oh, Hollywood Studios. <laughs> We all catch ourselves doing that. It's going to take us about three. By the time we get used to saying Hollywood Studios, it's going to change the name again. I see them tying that into um, the uh, the American Idol thing when it opens up. You know, getting boutiqued like an American Idol type. The guys like doing. a crazy person. They'll have like get dressed no. up like Sanjaya or something. Oh my gosh. Oh. There's so many directions they can go with that, but. Oh, cool. Oh, great. That'll do it for Rapid Fire this week, folks. We are uh, actually going to play a couple of our uh, of our cast member appreciation stories. 
And we're going to go to that now. When we come back, Kevin Close is going to have his review of Boat Rights. Hi, podcast team. I love your idea of sharing great cast member experiences, so I wanted to let you know about one that we had on the very last day of our trip. Um, We had been at Walt Disney World for a grand gathering, and on the last morning I was able to get breakfast at Cinderella's Royal Table for everyone. And after breakfast, we'd seen all the princesses and everything, and we said our goodbyes and went our separate ways. Well, later in the day, my cousin Heidi and her four-year-old daughter Natalie happened to come across Cinderella's stepsisters right near the castle. After they watched the stepsisters um, from a considerable distance because they were a little scary, Heidi turned to Natalie and said, you know what, you are so lucky. You got to see not only all of the princesses, but you got to see the stepsisters too. And Teeny tiny little Natalie in her teeny tiny little voice, um, she's four years old and weighs uh, 27 pounds, said, but mom, I didn't get to see the fairy godmother. My cousin, who didn't even know if there was a fairy godmother to see, went up to the check-in desk by CRT. She needed directions to the bathroom, but then as an aside, she just asked, you know, Hey, do you know if there is a fairy godmother, and if there was one, where would I find her? The cast member picked up the phone, and then she whispered to my cousin, Take your daughter to the bathroom, and when you come back, the fairy godmother will be standing right over there. My cousin was floored. Sure enough, as soon as they got back, the fairy godmother was waiting for them, and my cousin ended her last day at the park the same way she started the first day at the park, crying tears of joy and surprise. But that wasn't where the fun ended. Before we left for our trip, I'd read somewhere about guests from Vermont who brought down little bottles of maple syrup to hand out to cast members who made magical moments, big or small, and I loved that idea. So before we left, I ordered 48 locally made candy bar specialties called nut goodies. They're made in St. Paul, Minnesota. We attached a little note to them that said, thank you for creating a magical memory for the Scheuer family and a little explanation of the history of the candy bar and why we were handing it out to people so they didn't think you know, we were whack jobs or anything. Um, we had such a great time handing those out to people. The kids loved looking for people to give them to, and it was so much fun to see the surprise on the cast members' faces. We handed them out at Fort Wilderness when we traded pins with people. We handed them out to people that helped with the lightsabers. Um, Sometimes it was just a security guard that was really fun when we were checking in at the park doing bag check. It was really one of the best parts of the trip. A couple of times we'd even run out of the daily supply we carried with us because we didn't carry 48 at a time. So the kids would have us go all the way back to that same park or that same store later to make sure that the the cast member got their nut goodie. So I wanted to let you know that even though I guess technically we weren't winners of any of the Million Dreams contests, although we did see the Dream Team, it was still a really, really magical, fun, wonderful week for all of us. So thank you so much. Hi, uh, my name is Lori McDevitt, um, and I'm calling to tell you about um, the best experience I've had with a cast member at Walt Disney World. Um, It was back in May of 2007, and we were there celebrating um, my birthday and my parents' anniversary. On my parents' anniversary, we had a reservation at Whispering Canyon Cafe over at the Wilderness Lodge, and 
um, our server that evening um, was Right Neighborly, a.k.a. Chris, and he was fantastic. He actually sang a cappella, a wonderful, beautiful anniversary song to my parents, and he brought out a little chocolate cake for me since it was my birthday and um, had the whole restaurant singing happy birthday to us. Now, my son, who was four at the time, was, of course, getting a real kick out of the whole ketchup thing going on there. And uh, actually, Chris, he, my son, who's Liam, had dropped his fork on the floor, and we asked Chris, our server, to bring us another one. And he came out with this four-foot-tall black fork. And my son just got a huge kick out of this whole uh, evening and all the get-up that was going on. And um, I actually came home and wrote a letter to the Whispering Canyon staff, um, the manager actually, um, to acknowledge Chris for the great job he had done. And he, he just made our evening there so special and one I will never forget. All right, we are back. And actually, as, I was, uh, as we were taking a break, I remembered that I did actually have something I did want to announce. That uh, beginning, don't hold me to this, but uh, it'll be probably the second or third show that we do in March, we're going to begin a series of hotel reviews. We have uh, stays booked between the early part of March and the end of October at every hotel on Disney property. We're going to be going in, team's going to be going in, and we're going to be doing uh, very in-depth reviews, extremely in-depth reviews of all the resorts. We know you guys, some of you guys have asked for that. Uh, something I've been planning on doing anyway, just not exactly cheap. Pete, can you start us off, start us off with a contemporary review? I am almost <laughs> positive that is the first one. Uh, I know Regina had to make some changes uh, based on some things, and I think it was originally at the boardwalk, and I think it had to be switched out. So I have to take a look, but I do believe the first one is going to be the contemporary. <laughs> and I don't mind giving Disney a heads up that I'm coming to the contemporary. And that I didn't have a good experience last time, so let's hope it's a lot better this time. Yeah, that was a quick one. Well, since my store tours at Epcot are coming to an end, this will be a great way I can just transition to resorts. There you go. Beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, before we actually get to Kevin's uh, review, it, you know, it dawned on me we really haven't talked to uh, Will very much. And I know Ursula Shadow is just thrilled right now <laughs> that uh, I've asked Will to pull himself up to a a microphone. Yeah, yeah I got a hi. fan club. <laughs> I hope she wasn't on a treadmill or anything. However, your fan club has night vision goggles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm bringing my shoes for the cruise, so my, my tennis shoes run real fast. <laughs> you have to wear shoes. You're going to need them. <laughs> so uh, now, now, Will, you know, some people have suggested that uh, Will start doing a segment. We're not going to consider this an official segment for Will yet. He's kind of gearing up for that. But uh, for those of you who don't know Will, Will came to work for us a few months back. And he is a complete Disney newbie. He had really no major exposure to Disney theme parks prior to coming to work for us. Uh, Will's talents lie in uh, in graphic arts and design, and he's been doing a lot of great work for us there. But he has been getting himself around a little bit. And I understand not too long ago you were over at uh, Animal Kingdom. Yep, took a day off just to go. Uh, I'm a big animal lover, so uh, that was the one park I'd really been wanting to get to. And, you know, just see the animals and... And kind of a natural habitat, and I really enjoyed it. Um, just went with a buddy and did the safari ride and uh, Expedition Everest, and didn't get to stay real long, but I really enjoyed uh, you know the experience I had there. It was cool. What did you see on the safari that you thought was uh, was interesting? 
Um, it was cool how they had it set up for the kids, the, the audio, you know, in the car, and, and just seeing the animals right next to the trucks as you were going by I thought was really neat. Um, there were some, some unique animals in there. I don't really remember the names of them, but um, it was just really cool to see them. You know, out, the Tommies? Out. What was that? The Thompsons. The, to- the Thompsons Gazelles. They call them Tommies. Oh, yes, I do remember those. Beautiful animals. Um, just, just amazing. The trees and just seeing everything you know, out there was really cool. Well, what's your, uh, I mean, not, not, not going into a lot of uh, theme parks in your life, when you walk into a place like Animal Kingdom, I mean, what's your reaction? What's your, what's your, first, your first thought? First, I'm, I'm just kind of overwhelmed by the surroundings. And I, when I walked in Animal Kingdom, I, I remember stopping and just um, looking at the surroundings, being under the shade of the trees and just the atmosphere. It's, kind of over, it's all overwhelming to me, but um, Animal Kingdom seemed to, to do that more than some of the other parks like Hollywood Studios and, and um, MGM, I'm sorry. Um, well, there you get to see the tourist in their natural habitat. Right. <laughs> Just being captured in that environment. I mean, uh, every detail is planned in these theme parks. And as you walk through them, you know, being a creative person, I really appreciate that and the efforts that go into it and, and being taken out of a natural environment and just being surrounded by something surreal is, is really cool. Especially the tree of light, seeing all the detail that goes yeah, into man, that. Yeah, just, just walking up. You know, as soon as you come out that main path and it's right there in front of you, you kind of stop and, and you know, take it all in. It's cool. Now, um, you know, for as strange as going into a Disney theme park is for you, it must be even stranger working for a company that has... Uh, so many uh, rabid fans uh, on a particular issue. Now I know that you know you're a big fan of like NASCAR, for example, is is something that you really get into. Right. Do you see similarities between you know your passion for NASCAR and the and the passion you see on our discussion boards or even here at the table uh, with Disney? Absolutely. I mean, I get I get so far into NASCAR, people don't understand anything I'm saying, and and it's kind of the same environment here being around Disney fans. You know, people love these characters and are diehard fans for life. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know if it's, it's something that's not been raised in me, instilled in me, you know, growing up with um, going to Disney and, and being around all this. So NASCAR has, you know, I I've, I've grew up right next door to the track and I'm just, that's something that's been embedded in me and I'm passionate about. And I absolutely see that through the boards and our fans. And um, there's just something about Disney that captures people, you know. Elisa um, from Vancouver, Washington. She uh, she sent an email in suggesting that I go do the Richard Petty. This is right up Will's alley. Yeah, he needs to do this. I mean, I have a need for speed, but he would appreciate it so much more than I would. So, oh yeah, and he, I think he'd also be able to give us, uh, you know, the kind of feedback that right. he would give us on that would yep. be, you know, very unique. So, um, all right, Lisa from Vancouver gets to pick a number because Will's going to do that segment. Sweet, thanks, Lisa. And uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that's I've actually been wanting to do that for for many years. Um, Me too. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you need the joys of life to get people out of a car. It's going to take them to get me in. <laughs> they get me in the car to get my fingernails out of the dashboard. <laughs> yeah. So Will has been um, Will's been working on a, a lot. Will's been working on uh, the new T-shirts. T-shirt designs that we're going to be revealing some point when I'm when I'm done changing uh, my my mind on things. Will's been working on a lot of the uh, a lot of the designs on the boards, some of the new designs that are coming up on the boards. Got a lot of projects in uh, got a lot of projects in works, but right now you're uh, you're focused on finishing up school. Tell everybody where you go to school. 
What you're going to school for? I'm uh, I'm actually senior at the International Academy of Design Technology. It's IADT for short. Uh, I'll have my bachelor's in graphics at the end of June. So I'm real excited about that. I've been working hard, and I've got you know four or five months to go, and I'll be all wrapped up and done. So. You do not want to be more attractive to Mindy. You really don't. <laughs> yeah. You're just making it hotter on yourself. You have no idea. Yeah, really. Ursula is going to go around with a, with a little rag saying, I want you to smell some cologne. It'll be loaded with chloroform. <laughs> <laughs> the hole's getting deeper. You really want to tell her you're a jobless, homeless person. Right. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, that's cool. Uh, well, Rick. Why am I calling you Rick? <laughs> That's his alias. Well, yeah, you have to uh, just just so everybody understands. If there is a drop in the energy of the show this week, it's because three of us are coming down with the flu. Uh, John, Kevin, and I are all starting to feel it. Walter is as sick as a dog. Walter was actually supposed to be here uh, today to talk to us, you know, in the conversation we had before or we started the show. I wish I would have taken some airborne. I'm going right to Walgreens <laughs> down the street. Yeah. yeah, everybody in the room is going to want to like oh, pile on the Colby's. airborne. Going back to my house and hibernate. So, but uh, well, good. Well, thanks very much. Glad you uh, glad you could make it uh, today. He's, he's had the, like I said a crazy school schedule, so we're not. Uh, I'm not making him show up for the podcast. He's got school, but since we're doing it on a Sunday today, I, and we had some important stuff to discuss before the show because we have some cool stuff coming up, Pete. Yep, yep. Well, good to be here. Thanks, Pete. All right. Well, thanks very much. And with that, we'll go ahead and move on and have a chat with Kevin about his recent review and re-review. What have you got for us, Kevin? You want to start with which? Do you want to start with? I want to hear your re-review of Portobello because you gave that such high marks. We actually received an email. Back or just after the holidays, letting us know that Portobello Yacht Club, while they weren't offering any sort of promotion or anything, uh, they recognized that Valentine's Day was coming. And because we are on their email list, they suggested that if we were looking for Valentine's Day reservations, that we make them early. And we sat and talked about it and thought that was a great idea. We also had Pirates and Princess Party tickets for that night. It was one of the coldest nights in the year. It was cold. However, we ended up... Um, we had an early reservation at Portobello Yacht Club, and I have to say... But it's 81 degrees now, so it's not cold at all here. <laughs> Unless you have the flu, and then it's Polar Flea City. Yeah. Uh, remember we did the thing, the 10 things you're not doing in Orlando? Mm-hmm. Portobello Yacht Club should be on that list. I hear people talk about all of the other Disney restaurants, and this one very rarely gets mentioned. In my opinion, Portobello Yacht Club is one of the best restaurants on Disney property. And we had no trouble getting a reservation. The restaurant was not full when we left on Valentine's Day. And this is some spectacular food. So it held up to the original review? Absolutely. It actually surpassed the original really? review. Yeah. Because that was a rave. And th- th- that's a lot for, for Valentine's Day because I find the restaurants on Valentine's Day. Absolutely. The quality of the service and it just is all hurried and everything. And it's, so that's really a, a good sign. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Valentine's Day is probably one of the toughest days to, to tough, get a decent yeah, meal exactly. at a restaurant. We were not working that night. When we go out to review a restaurant, we approach it as we're working. Now, I know that there are people out there who think I'm the luckiest person in the world, and I, I agree with them. However, this was not a working right. review. This was just I had to go back and touch on it again. Because sometimes it's nice to have a meal and not have to think you have to pay attention to each and every detail. Right. Right, exactly. Uh, they had a special menu for Valentine's Day. They had their regular menu, but then they had the Valentine's Day features. Uh, John ordered the uh, appetizer, the mushroom risotto. Uh, he also had 
pretty much you pretty much had the entire Valentine's Day menu. It was the appetizer was a mushroom risotto. The entree was a New York strip steak and the dessert was the ultimate chocolate affair. I would say I don't know that I've heard him rave about anything as much as he raved about that mushroom risotto. And you guys have been listening to John for a long time. You know that raves don't come out of him very often. Almost ever. Yeah. This was, it was also very funny. John's, John's willing to share anything he has <laughs> with anyone. When we sit down, um, as I said, we always take my mom and dad out with us. And this was the case on Valentine's Day. We all just, it's a family affair. Mm-hmm. It's here, have a bite of this. Let me have a bite of that. You, there's not a lot of people I would let reach over and take something off my plate without snapping their fingers off. John is one of the people that, you know, it's just part of the deal. He actually put his arm around the mushroom risotto and doled out tastes of it. <laughs> I, made a, I made a wall. Don't cross You had your head. allotment? <laughs> Here's a taste. Do you want to try a bite? So it was really good. It was very good. We also... Um, we had some of the appetizers. They have something called beef short rib bruschetta. Well, that sounds good. It is good. We're going to have had it. I cannot even tell you how good it is. It's four small pieces of um, Italian bread with braised beef short ribs with pepper and Parmesan cheese on a toasted crostini. Mm. This is nine ninety five. Now, I have to say, Portobello Yacht Club... Do they do home delivery? <laughs> <laughs> For the shut-ins. For the shut-ins like me. Uh, we we split one meal. My mom and I split a meal. Uh, we had the uh, farfalle with chicken. It's a pasta, bow tie pasta with roasted chicken, snow peas, and asparagus in a Parmesan cream sauce. This is one of our favorites. Julie tried it and didn't care for it. I don't understand that. But again, it's twenty one ninety five. Mm-hmm. So this is not an inexpensive proposition. However, you're getting quality food. And top-notch service. I don't think we've had a better waiter or server anywhere. Mm-hmm. He ranks up there. The man that waited on us ranks up there with the servers that we've had anywhere. Mention his name. Give him a shout-out. His out. name is Keith at uh, Portobello Yacht Club. Now, the other thing is, I have to say, we, as I said, we weren't working. So when we go out and do a review... We don't really try and alter the experience all that much. We try and not change entrees around as much as we would. However, when we're going out just to dine, it's more about us. what we want to have. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We made changes to everything, and he did it all without flinching. He was right on top of it. He suggested that we try other things. Awesome. Just awesome. Now, they do not take the Disney dining experience. However, they do take ADRs, and I am of the belief that you pretty much can't do better. We've had a couple of really, really good experiences there, and I think any of us, aside from price, this is not the kind of place you want to just drop in for a casual weeknight meal. This is We always hear about where's a romantic place to have dinner. This is a nice location. The windows all face out towards Saratoga Springs, so you're looking at whatever that body of water is there by downtown Disney. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. Pond. The pond. <laughs> That's the technical term. That's Saratoga Springs. Pond. It actually springs in that water. Springs water, yeah. Okay. There you go. I didn't know that. So that's my re-review of Portobello Yacht Club. But by all means, give it a shot. Make it one of your special dinners, and I think you're going to be very, very pleased. Uh, I have the menu for Julie to put up on the board. However, the, the Valentine's Day menu was a special one-day thing. So, Well, now, you, know, you mentioned uh, in terms of the... 10 best things you're not doing in Orlando. Um, that is, that's going to be a recurring piece. We, we did it in January. I put, I put 10 things on the list. But it's also it's a living document. As we experience things and as we find things, 
um, we're going to keep a, we're keeping a list of things to consider for July when I when I redo the list again. Well, we keep hearing things about the Diz, the Diz darlings, I call them. Right. Uh, Gico and uh, Le Cellier. This restaurant blows Le Cellier away. Yeah. Now, interesting, he doesn't say it blows Gico away, though. It's on a par with Gico. I've raved okay. about Gico. I consider this on a par with Gico, uh, the Brown Derby. However, one thing about Gico, we haven't been there since they changed chefs. We have not. So It's coming up. That. It's coming up. And also, there was a request, uh, and I spoke to you about this, Kevin. There was a request on the uh, on our well, podcast. I'm, I'm ready for you now. Our podcast discussion board, because Ohana has changed their menu. Um, and uh, one of the things I had said to Kevin after reading that was that, uh, you know, when, when we find out that a menu has changed substantially, we really should go back and re-review. It's only right. So I've asked Kevin to go ahead and... Uh, uh, re-review Ohana. Did you read the follow-up request? No, I didn't. That you and Walter come with us. <laughs> oh, well. Corey, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we should just go sit on the table. table. I'm sorry I, all for that one. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I choked a little bit in my mouth. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the concept of watching Walter... You know what? That's a great idea. I just, think it'd be fun if we humor, all went. Just for the humor of watching Walter in that environment. Because keep in mind, folks, I mentioned on the, on, on the show before, Walter is, not, Walter is not what you call a Disney fan. He doesn't hate it. He's just not into it. So anything that's with the over-the-top cutesiness um, is just not his... It's just not his cup of tea. He doesn't do well at character meals. He doesn't <laughs> do well at, you know, at things like that. And if you guys think I can be crotchety, you got to see him when he's in a mood. So, yeah, that would be actually very funny. That would be very, very funny. So if I'm going to be forced to go back, I think I have to drag the rest of you kicking and screaming. All right. It would so be a fun field trip. We will do a field uh, trip. All right. We will do a, a group review. A group uh-huh. review of Ohana. If Kevin's got to do it. We all have to do it. Sounds good to me. Taking one for the team. <laughs> so now talk to me about, uh, about boat rights over at Port Orleans. Okay, the good news is over. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, we went to Boat Rights. Um, I was given a tip that I was going to love this restaurant. This is going to be great. You're going to love it. It's awesome. And it's something nobody knows about. Well, first, people know about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reason they don't go. Right. It was, it was very crowded the night we went. And I have a little mini rant of my own. I, as I've told you all a hundred times before, I take my folks with me and my mom is in a wheelchair. We walked up to the podium, and because she was in front of me, she actually got to the podium before I did and discussed with the the woman behind the podium our ADR. And the woman said, you don't have an ADR. And it was obvious that we did. And, you know, you you just sort of go with the flow. Let's look it up. I've got my number with us. Let's do, you know, before we just are turned away. A woman of a certain age who should know better. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you literally climbed over the back of the wheelchair to get ahead of my mother to tell the woman who my mother was speaking with that her buzzer was going off. And because we all stood there with our mouths agape, she turned around and she says to me, we've been waiting over five minutes for this. And I just stood there and I didn't know what to say to the woman. She literally, a, a wheelchair has legs on it so that the person can keep their legs up. She stood between my mother's legs. And the woman oh had, my god! And we all just—I I, was—I was dumbstruck, and that doesn't happen a whole lot. And the woman said to her, "Ma'am, we just announced that we were testing all of the buzzers. We didn't call you. We were testing the buzzers. So 
I had a very hard time not laughing that this poor woman had to wait a, an additional minute or two. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it's a, a little mini rant. I, I apologize. You're not more important than anybody else who's standing there waiting, even if you have almost waited five minutes. I yeah. hope she listens because she's going to know who she is. Uh, we were seated within minutes. This restaurant is deceptively larger. Then it looks like a small restaurant. It does look small. It, but once you start making turns and stuff like that, you realize that there are more rooms yeah. than you can actually see from the front. Uh, something that I think they should take into account is there's virtually no fabric in the restaurant. They should put fabric on the chairs or hang something on the walls. They have wood floors, wood tables. There's wood on the walls, and it's a high ceiling thing. No one was um, overtly screaming or anything, but just the, the conversation made it difficult. It's a very loud restaurant. There's nothing to absorb the sound. This is something that could benefit from a little bit of fabric somewhere, just to uh, uh, take some of the, muffle some of it. We were handed our menus, and our server was obviously very busy. There was no hello, no nothing. She walked over, and her first words out of her mouth were, are you on the Disney dining plan? And when we said no, she goes, okay, let me have your drink orders. And that was how we were greeted. So I, I, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt that it was because she was so busy. After that, it kind of went downhill. Mm. We, um, the menu for boat rights is very, very odd. The very first thing that's listed at the top of the menu before any food is something called non-alcoholic specialties. And they have things like strawberry milkshakes, chocolate banana smoothies, and frozen cappuccino. Now, this is before the appetizers. I don't know that many people order a strawberry milkshake before they order their food. That should be on the back with the other drinks, right? That's what I thought. I, and it gives the idea that you're eating in an ice cream shop or someplace like Beaches and Cream. And the menu and the prices of the menu really don't bear that out. So I think it's really odd that they have strawberry milkshakes above anything else. Yeah. That, I, I, that's just a weird... There might be some odd reason for that. I'm sure. I'm sure they're a moneymaker. Well, I think kids see that, and that's the first thing they want. And they pitch a fit until the parents buy them that. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, appetizers. There are five appetizers. And, again, I think this menu is kind of limited. The whole thing is sort of southern Creole, New Orleans, bayou cooking. There are three appetizers. There's a spinach salad, a romaine salad, a seafood cocktail with a Thai chili sauce, crawfish cakes with fennel and mango slaw, and a steak and red bean soup. That's it? The only thing that sounds Creole is steak and red bean soup. Well, the spin- I ordered the spinach salad. The, craw- uh, the, the crawfish? But it has mango and yeah. whatever else yeah, in it? That's, weird- not, so, that's again, not Louisiana. It, 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 it's this idea, but it's really not. Yeah. The execution is just weird. Nothing jumps out at me. To I had a spinach salad, which was... Uh, I need to put my glasses on. The spinach salad came with grape tomatoes, bacon herb, vinaigrette, roasted beets, mushrooms, and goat cheese for five ninety nine. The spinach salad was kind of tasty. Um, I assume goat cheese has to be very inexpensive. I had enough for six people. Wow. I literally had to move... Three quarters of my goat cheese to the end of the plate. I it mean, can be a little strong. Yeah, and this was covered with it. We also ordered the the crawfish cakes, which are like served like a crab cake kind of thing. Uh-oh. They were virtually impossible to eat with a fork. <laughs> no matter what you did to touch them, they crumbled. 
So you would go to spear a little piece of it, and you know, you'd usually break off a little bit, and it would crumble into almost like a dust. They were only edible with a spoon. They didn't really? have any binder in them. Yeah. They came with a remoulade sauce, which was very good. However, they came on a bit of sliced mango and fennel, which oh. right there is a weird kind of combination, but... It just was, it was a very weird... Maybe mm-hmm. somebody right out of a culinary school trying to be creative? Yeah. Maybe. And the price of that was ten forty nine, and you get two, and they're about the size of a silver dollar. <laughs> so you're paying $5.25 a piece. For two sad little crab cakes? Well, no, they're not... Crawfish cakes. Crawfish cakes. Crawfish cakes. <laughs> and they have an unusual orange color. They're, they're sort of pumpkin orange inside. We also tried uh, the steak and red bean soup. Now... There's been some discussion. This came to the table, and I couldn't get past the color of it. I thought it was battleship gray, and John told me it was actually murky brown. Now, he ate it. You're colorblind, though. I am colorblind. Did he like it? He loved it. However, it comes with a dollop of sour cream on the top of it. So not only does it look like swamp water when I first set it down... (laughs) The sour cream starts to melt after a while, so now it's like milky swamp water. Mm. He loved it. He said it was very tasty, but I, I just took Presentation left yeah. a little something to be designed. It was, John, it's an odd color. John is a soup guy. The other thing we did was uh, my mom found nothing on the appetizers on the, that she liked. So on the children's menu, they had um, chicken noodle soup. And we asked if we could order an adult-sized portion of chicken noodle soup. They agreed to that. And it's there's nothing to recommend or say bad about it. It's... Chicken soup. Chicken soup. It's not great. It's not horrible. But So the appetizers were kind of hit and miss. They weren't horrible, but they weren't really all that great either. It's nothing that jumps out at me at all. Yeah. We moved on to the entrees, and there are seven entrees. All of seven. There are, there's jambalaya, there's a grilled pork chop, pasta with shrimp, grilled filet mignon, slow-roasted prime rib, buttermilk fried chicken, and blackened red snapper. Now, as you're reading these, I found, again, this is where Disney, we talked about Disney making up the theme. Sometimes they go, they do it not all the way. That was me trying to edit out a word that I was going to use instead. And sometimes they go over the top. For instance, the grilled pork chop, the accompaniments that come with the grilled pork chop are are mac shoe and apple butter. Now, there were four reasonably intelligent adults at dinner, and we all sat there looking at each other going, what do you think mac shoe is? And that's spelled M-A-Q-U-E, next word, C-H-O-U-X. The server explained to us that it's corn relish. So, I don't know. Julie's shaking her head, yes. Pork chop and corn relish? That's an entire dinner? Well, no, I knew what he was talking about, so I was shaking my head. The other thing is, uh, somebody ordered, my dad ordered the pork chop with, and he didn't get the corn relish. We asked if there was a potato that could be substituted for it. Well, they only have one potato, and it's three cheese hash brown potatoes, which sound really good, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll get to them later. Okay. (laughs) My mom ordered the buttermilk fried chicken with waffles and collard greens. Collard mm. greens sound good, but what kind of waffles? Waffles. Like, like real waffles? Like breakfast waffles. Like toaster. No, come on. That's weird. And, and syrup, and a side of syrup is the weirdest thing. <laughs> With fried chicken? Mm-hmm. So, does, is this, is, does that sound authentic okay, at all to you? Waffles are not served at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so we, again, went for the three cheese mashed potatoes. I ordered the jambalaya. And John ordered the slow-roasted prime rib. His right. came with the three-cheese mashed potatoes. So we had three orders of three-cheese mashed potatoes come to the table. I'm going to start with my entree. I ordered the jambalaya. Now, I think jambalaya is like meatloaf or one of those recipes that 
there's a lot of different ways to prepare it. This was a bowl of seasoned rice with no liquid. There was no sauce, no anything. Right. It shouldn't. There was a half a sausage on top, a spiced chicken thigh, and two shrimp. And that was $17.99. Was the sausage whole? No. It was, it, it, it was cut in half. It was cut in half, but it right. wasn't like diced? Sliced. No, it was no. not sliced. What about was, the chicken? It was a whole no. chicken? No, it was a thigh, a chicken thigh. Just stuck up on top of the rice. Right. And I, I've, I've had jambalaya before, and I thought of jambalaya like as a stew. It's not a stew. It's, it's, it's a, a rice, rice dish. Yeah. There should be no like sauce or creaminess to it. Well, I wasn't looking for creaminess, but I, anytime I've ever had it, it had a liquid to it. And maybe, I, as I said, maybe it's that I've had expectations that weren't there. Everything had the same exact orange color as the inside of the crab cake or the crawfish cake. Apparently, paprika is in the same category with goat cheese. Ew. <laughs> it's let's use it on everything. Jambalaya should have an orange color to it. Oh, the this rice. did. Yeah, this did. But not like ter- Like I'm used to having shredded chicken and sliced sausage and peppers and onions and shrimp and like. But lots of it and with a really good flavor like cayenne pepper and lots of salt and things like that. You would be sorely disappointed. <laughs> the grilled pork chop was twenty ninety nine, and I can only describe it as tiny. And it was a single pork chop. I've never seen any place that serves a pork chop. You usually get two. That's pricey, too. Yeah. For, and I'm going to guess there was probably three ounces of meat. Wow. The John had the slow roasted prime rib with the three cheese hash, hash brown potatoes, and how did you describe it? It was just there. It had no flavor. It had. It was okay. It wasn't tough. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't juicy. It wasn't. It sounds flavorful. like you know all the times I say you know mediocre and overpriced. Yeah. It sounds like this is classic example. It really was the buttermilk chicken, which they describe as um, with waffles and collard greens. Waffles throws me. Was <laughs> I expected? Let go my ego. That's exactly what they're, they're yeah. ego waffles. They're ego waffles. They should have oh, like corn no. fritters would have been more fitting. Okay, well this came out and we expected like there might be a leg. Somebody thinks they're being creative and they're not. They're being dumb. Well, we expected again pieces of chicken. This came out as one chicken breast that had been deep fried and battered with the thickest breading you've ever seen. The collard greens, they apparently put liquid smoke in them. Ew. Ew. They, they smelled, I hate that is smoke. awful. They smelled like a bonfire on the table. <laughs> now, the three cheese hash brown potatoes. You've all had hash browns before, right? Yeah. These were mashed potatoes with a little bit of cheese and onion in them, made into a patty and slapped on the grill and browned. They were mashed potatoes. I don't know about you. Is that hash brown potatoes where you eat? Nope. I Altogether, we decided. Oh, we also ordered um, a side of sautéed mushrooms for two seventy nine, and we ordered a side of something called warm sweet potato salad, which sounded exotic, doesn't yeah. it? It's sweet potatoes in a bowl. <laughs> End of story. Like canned sweet potatoes? I don't know that they were canned, but there was nothing remarkable or salad-like about them. There mm. was probably seven little chunks of sweet potato, and mm. they were warm. They were warm. <laughs> And they came in a side dish, so I, but I don't see anything salad-like about them. And I don't know why they would be served as a side dish. I mean, mm. the best part about our meal was the free cornbread. They put mm. cornbread on your table. It has actual chunks of corn in it. And they put out a warm, honeyed butter. Mm-hmm. That's cool. A melted butter. Uh, we went through a couple of baskets of those. Service was 
this was one of those times when I was a little disappointed that the fact that 18% was added because we used the Disney dining experience. Our service was not 18% deserving. It was, I don't want to say non-existent. It was adequate. It, it was, I would say less than adequate. It was, it wasn't horrendous or anything that you would throw a fuss over. However, it wasn't. It didn't deserve an eighteen percent gratuity. But you don't start a, a dining experience the way she started it with you. It never got better than that either. Yeah. It, it just never got better. Some people just don't get it. The restaurant was crowded, and I think uh, the oh the other thing I was going to tell you was when she first came to our table to take our entree order, she suggested that we had. We have the grilled filet mignon or the slow-roasted prime rib, which are the most expensive things on the menu. And then caught herself and said, oh, you're not on the dining plan. So I get the feeling that she was trying to, in her own little way, help us make the most out of the Disney dining plan. So Hmm. altogether, our check came to $117. After the Disney dining experience, it was $114, but that included now an 18% gratuity. There are places, there's a lot of places on Disney property to spend your dining dollars. And unless convenience, for instance, if you're staying at Port Orleans Riverside, unless convenience is your main motivating factor, I would not recommend that you go here. Stick to the food court. The food court actually is better. It is. I've eaten in the food court several times. We've actually been to the food court. Yeah. As a destination. As a destination. (laughs) I mean, we've had good time. Well, now, you know, we've all been, uh, we've all been in restaurants um, where we've had a bad meal, and I don't know. I can usually kind of gauge whether or not this restaurant's just having an off night, or if there's something systemic wrong with how the the the, the restaurant is run or the, how the kitchen is run. Which category would you put this in? Do you think you hit them on an off night, or do you think that this is just not a good menu? I think it's a very limited menu. I we found we had a little bit of difficulty finding something everybody could like. I mean, there's seven entrees. Yeah. And five appetizers. And Bob, who likes everything, said, oh, nothing stands out there yeah. at me. For I, would me. Have been, I would have got the smoked prime rib. It sounds almost to me like this is a problem that could be fixed with a better chef. A better chef in the kitchen uh, coming up with ideas and kind of reworking this menu. The menu seems very disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all two, over the board. I'm thinking, got, like, why don't they have crawfish etouffee? Um, like, well, a shrimp ramelade. I mean, anything. I mean, right, red snapper have, is a fish that's used a lot in Louisiana, so I understand that on the menu. However, but prime rib, filet mignon, and pork chop is things that you can get at any other Disney right. restaurant. Right, and you know, as as Kevin is giving his review, I mean, we have two people sitting here who are New Orleans natives, so they, they you know, you talk about Cajun food, they have a pretty good idea of what's authentic. And there was a lot of confused looks on their faces as Kevin was talking about some of these things. So it almost seems, like I said, that you know. Perhaps the chef in this particular case may not be right at this res- at this restaurant. Maybe somebody with a more a better sensibility toward the theming. I also think this is one of those restaurants where they're pushing you get as many people in and as many people out as you can. This yeah, place was see, that's, a big turnaround. I, I agree with you, John. And large parties. It just you ever go someplace and then you leave and you think you say to yourself, "It wasn't bad. It just wasn't good." You were talking about the Red Snapper. On the red, the the accompanies on the, the accompanies the accompaniment on the red snapper is a grilled grit cake and stewed green tomatoes. I mean, fried green tomatoes are a big part of Southern cuisine, so I could understand that. But stewed, stewed green tomatoes, and a grilled grit cake, and that is nineteen dollars, eighteen ninety nine. I'm sorry, grits are really inexpensive. Yes, they are. This is not a nineteen dollar meal. 
a, a four ounce piece or a six ounce piece of red snapper, grit cakes, and stewed green tomatoes. That's just overcharging. I'm sorry, waffles. The buttermilk fried chicken was sixteen ninety nine. A chicken breast and a couple of waffles. That's not a seventeen dollar entree. Yeah. In my opinion, that's lazy. Take yeah. that. Take that syrup. Put it on top of your. Uh, you know the cornbread. Yeah, yeah, cornbread. It's excellent. What it is is it is it it's that attitude that you can see that pervades some areas of Disney that uh, it doesn't matter what we give you. We're just going to charge you whatever we need to charge you. Our restaurant has to show a certain amount of money, and that's what we're going to charge for these things, regardless of whether they're actually worth it or not. I mean, $20 for a pork and, chop where you're getting corn relish as a side and the, dish. And, and, the, and the kicker is is that with a little thought and so a little bit of creativity, you as we've seen at many restaurants on Disney property, you could you could charge $22 for a dish and give the person something where they walk away feeling I really got my money's worth with this. It doesn't, you know, it just requires a little bit of creativity. Disney has plenty of that in spades. They have it they have it as much in their dining arena as they do in their imagineering arena. So there's really no excuse for that. I would say it's this It's lazy. Was, exactly. I would say this food wasn't as good as your local Applebee's. Ooh. I find that the Creativity. That's yeah, because I scathing. don't like Applebee's. I don't even like the word oh. Applebee's. <laughs> I don't like the commercial, that little apple running around. Applebee's is just. Of course you do, Bob. No, I hate that commercial. <laughs> she answers the door and there's the apple. It's like, what the hell is, the heck is this about? Bob has well, nightmares of apples chasing them. <laughs> Would you agree with me that Applebee's yeah. is better? Well, the thing about Applebee's is, again, you walk in there knowing what you're going to get and the price is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, these prices are ridiculous. These prices are Portobello Yacht. Club prices. Right. I paid. We paid the same amount at Portobello Yacht Club as we paid at Boat Rights. My entree was twenty one ninety five. Okay, it was a dollar less. My entree was twenty dollars here. I'm sorry. My entree at Portobello Yacht Club was head and shoulders, head and shoulders above for the same price. Something you mentioned, Kevin, that really stuck in me here is when they started recommending the the different dishes to pick. And then she had forgot that you were, weren't on the dining plan. She wasn't being sincere to tell you what dish was a good dish to have. She was pushing you towards uh, the higher priced dishes. Right. That bothers me because you know all she's doing is trying to. It, it looks like she's trying to pad her, her gratuity. Gratuity, yep. and that's the when yeah. you said that that sticks in my mind of these people. She's not being sincere. I just, I don't see any reason, again, unless convenience is your main motivation. You're starving and don't want to go anyplace else and you're staying there. I still would go to the food court. Absolutely. Did you say if you had dessert there or not? I saw pecan pie on the menu. I was just wondering. We were so disenchanted with this. We even said, let's not even try dessert. Let's just go somewhere else. Corey, this food just wasn't great. It was just like. You just wanted to end it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was crowded and loud and it just, it was, it was not a pleasant experience at all. Mediocre and overpriced. And you ever leave a restaurant and just feel kind of, That's why we left. Almost needed. like you need to go and eat somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. but then you're full because you ate the stuff that was in front of you. It was just very weird. So we had good and bad this week. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. Appreciate uh, both reviews. And uh, we are going to take a break and play another couple of cast member appreciation voicemails. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about uh, some great uh, behind-the-scenes behind the tours over at SeaWorld. You'll be kind of, I think you'll be kind of surprised. I was, so... Here's some cast member appreciation. Hi, my 
my name is Kelly. I'm Alice in Wonderland on the Diz, and I was calling about um, the great cast members, and I really wanted to tell you guys about this awesome cast member named Vonnie. She works at the Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. She works in the main building usually, and she's a concierge-level um, cast member. She is absolutely amazing. She goes out of her way to help guests, and she just has the magic touch. Um, an, an example of that would be, I love Alice in Wonderland, obviously, and they were getting rid of all the mugs there last summer, and they were replacing them with the Dreams mugs, and they couldn't find any. About a month ago, I got a call from her saying, hey, Mrs. Russo, I found two of those mugs, and she mailed them to my house. She really is an absolutely amazing cast member who goes out of her way to help all the guests, and I think that people should know about her, Um, and that's about it. Yeah, hi, Pete and gang. Um, My name's Tom. Um, I've been listening to your podcast about kudos for cast members. Well, I've got one, I think. Um, My daughter, she's now 13, but when she was 7, we went to the park. We live in Bradenton, so we're not that far away. We go as much as we can. And it was her birthday, and we went to um, Chef Mickey's. And, of course, you know, they give her the cake, take our picture, and they gave her a little pin that said, My Birthday. So she wore it that day when we left Chef Mickey's. First place, of course, was the gift shop in the Contemporary. And one of the cast members behind the counter saw the pin and said to her, uh, Hey, you know, there's somebody on the phone here that would like to talk to you. So he brought her over to the counter and dialed a number and... uh turned out being goofy, (laughs) and he wished her a happy birthday. She got to talk to him. Um, She got a real kick out of that. Matter of fact, my name on your boards is Goofman. I just get a kick out of that guy. My kids think I'm crazy. So after that, we um, went down, and we uh, decided to rent boats and ride around the lake there, Bay Lake, and... um, uh, we rented them for about 30 minutes, me and my daughter. Uh, uh, my wife and my other daughter were in one boat, and me and my birthday girl were in the other. We got back, and one of the cast members saw us pull up to the dock and saw my daughter's uh, uh, It's My Birthday pin and told us, go on out for another 30 minutes, and basically gave us another 30 minutes on the lake and my daughter just loved it and got the biggest kick out of it. And later that day, we went to Magic Kingdom. And it just seemed like it was like every cast member we passed that saw that pin on her, she got an ice cream cone, she got congratulations. Um, uh, the members would see us in line and someone would point her out. Um it just was, you know, and we've been to Disney, I can't tell you how many times, but that was um, one of those things that will stick in a dad's mind for a long time. So I just thought I'd share that. We love your show. I love your show. I listen to it at night. Um, and uh, guys, keep up the good work. And there are a lot of good cast members. So I think that's what keeps us coming back all the time. All right, we are back, and I actually Walter and I had uh, headed over to uh, SeaWorld a few weeks ago. Uh, Walter played hooky from uh, from work, and we went and spent the day at SeaWorld. And uh, as we walked in, you know, I went I went up to the guest services desk to pick up a, 
a map, and I noticed they had all the behind-the-scenes tours posted over at Guest Services. And I'm like, I wonder what, you know, what they have. And you know, I noticed they had a, a, a few of them that were only 60 minutes. And I figured, all right, let's try one of them. I said, Walter, which one would you like to do? And he said, let's do the Predators, the Predators tour. And uh, so I said to the guy, I said, all right, well, you know, we want to do two, uh, two adults with the Predators tour. And uh, he said, well, that'll be $24. And I said, each? <laughs> and he goes, no, $24 total. It's wow. $12 a person. I said, are you kidding? And he goes, no. And I looked at Walter. I said, okay, this is going to be crap. Right. Okay, chumpy. this is going to be chump, chump, chumpy. And uh, so my expectations going into this, I'll just say this now. My expectations going into this were on the low side because of the price. I mean, I'm used to Disney or even Universal. I mean, you know, behind-the-scenes tours usually start $50, $60, $70 and go up from there. So we were told to meet uh, right outside Shamu Stadium. And there was a, like a sign there saying, you know, Predator's Tour meets here. And, you know, there's Walter and I standing there. There's nobody else. And... I think it was a two o'clock, uh, a two o'clock tour, and uh, two o'clock on the dot. Up walks one of SeaWorld's animal experts. Her name was Samantha, and she said, "Are you my, are you my two o'clock tour?" I said, "Yep." She goes, "Well, you're it. You're the only ones that have booked this." So we had a private tour, and okay, cool. Let's go see how this is. So the first thing she does is she takes us right back stage at Shamu Stadium, back to the area where. The whales live. And it was kind of cool instantly walking back there because you see all the trainers back there getting ready for the next show. You know, you can look out and you can see the stadium and all the seats. And, you know, as you walk in, you see the whales. You can see the whales swimming around. And there was one whale in particular as we walked in. She, I'm assuming it was a she, circled the tank and then came right where we were. Now, we're not, we were not allowed to be too close to the whale tank. They're very sensitive about anybody they don't know, as we came to find out. And she just kind of put her head just slightly above water so her eye was sticking out the entire time we were there. She watched everything we did. And Samantha said uh, what she's doing is, uh, what did she call it? Uh, It's called spy hopping. It's something that they do in the wild to watch for prey or watch for any danger. Um, they just kind of put their head above the water, but the entire time she was watching it. And like I said, Samantha was explaining to us that uh, these are very intelligent and emotional animals. They know their trainers by sight. Their eyesight actually is perfect, both above the water and below the water. Hmm. They believe they can see in color, but they're not 100% sure. But they absolutely know every trainer. And even in, in some cases, they react differently to different trainers, just the way we would react differently to different people. Mm-hmm. So we had uh, so she kind of I'm I'm not going to talk about everything she talked about because people really should go experience this and get that informa- information there. I'm just going to give some of the highlights and then talk about some you know some of the other options there are for behind the scenes tour. Um, one of the things she told us that was really interesting was that uh, you know I had asked her about the challenges of captivity. You know you'll you'll hear it. There are some organizations that say that you know, these whales should never be in captivity. They should be out in the wild. Um, and she made some good points. She talked about how they're able to study certain behaviors when these whales are in captivity that they could never, ever see in the wild. These whales can go very, very deep into the ocean, far deeper than we can go without very, very specialized equipment. 
So, for example, the way a mother nurses her young, not something you're really going to be able to see in the wild, but now, but they can see it very clearly when the, when the, uh, the, the whales are in captivity. And uh, these whales were all born in captivity. None of these are captured in the wild. That's how they do it. She made a point of that. She goes, I can't speak to how other uh, organizations handle their whales. She goes, I can tell you only what we do. These, first of all, our whales are only born in captivity. Um, and uh, it would be cruel to release them into the wild because they just have no, no, no point of reference. Uh, there are differences between these whales and their behaviors and some of those whales that are found in the wild because their environments are so different, but there's a lot they are still able to learn from them and, and by observing their behavior. Um, one of the things they learned was that uh, the natural hunting instincts of, of these whales is absolutely intact. Uh, what they found these whales were doing, I think that she mentioned they had noticed this first in San Antonio and then they started seeing it here that they would give the whales fish. You know, they'd feed them, they'd feed them fish. And what the whales were doing were like, they would keep some fish in their mouth. They wouldn't eat them. And then they go out into the pool, and they'd float these fish up on the, uh, up on the water, wait for the birds to come and oh grab the fish, and then they'd eat the birds. They'd eat um, the birds? They would Smart. practice, they were pract- and they were absolutely practicing n- n- natural hunting behaviors. Mm. Right really? there, yeah, yeah, it was really cool. It was, I mean, we didn't watch one happen, but she was talking about that. So, the uh, so that's things advanced like behavior, yeah, that's the, the, you know, very, very intelligent animals, incredibly intelligent animals. That it surprised the bird, and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, now and talking about the fish, this was amazing. The fish they give them is the same fish you will buy at the market. I mean, they go and they get the best fish, they are not buying like cheap fish. They are only ever served clean fish. If a, if a fish drops on the ground, it's thrown out. It's not fed to the whales. They uh, put all the vitamins and nutrients that the whales are going to need to remain healthy right in the fish. Mm. They are even able, we were talking about the training patterns and that, you know, depending on the trainer, the whale, and what they're trying to train them to do, it could take as short as a couple of weeks or a couple of days for these whales to learn some of these tricks. In other cases, it may take a little longer. But one of the things they have trained these whales to do, I thought this was fascinating, was to give blood, urine, and fecal samples on command. For example, they will give them a hand command that will tell them to flip over. They hold them in position. They, they get the tail because they take the blood out of the tail. They never show them the needle because, as she pointed out, just like a child, you show them the needle, they know something's coming. But so they, they'll, they'll, the whale will turn over. They'll take blood out of the tail give the whale a treat, and the whale, it's, it's positive behavior. This is uh, called operant conditioning is how they train them. Mm. There's never any uh, punishment if you don't perform properly. If they don't do what they're supposed to do, the trainer just steps back and doesn't do anything. How would the, you punish a whale? Well, exactly. That's what I said. I said, you know, the, go to your room. Well, you can't put them in the corner because there's no corner in the tank. It's round. Um, so I mean, so the whales the whales are incredibly well cared for, um, and you're just talking to this woman who's an animal specialist there. I mean, she wasn't just like a tour guide. This was this was a woman whose career and life are dedicated uh, to animal research there at SeaWorld, and she knew everything. This woman was incredible. I knew someone who was a trainer at SeaWorld, and what they one of the things they told me was an animal in the wild 
spends, I think the it's 80% of their free time looking for food. Yeah. And that's uh, something that's just, that they don't have to do that. Right. In when they're in captivity and they become very, very used to that, not having to look for it. So I thought that was interesting. Now, what was also interesting when I, you know, I said, you know, they'll give like a urine sample. All they have to do is show the whale the cup and they slightly press on the, blares, the whale's bladder and the whale gives them what they want. Sounds like Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else she mentioned that I thought was really interesting. Whales don't sleep. Whales don't sleep. They are always have to be aware of their surroundings. What they are able to do is they are able to shut off one hemisphere of their brain at a time. So if you see a whale with one eye closed and one eye open, that's what's happening. Half the brain is sleeping. The other half of the brain is watching what's going on around you. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff you're not going to get watching the show and all that stuff. Bob, yeah, Bob does this quite a bit. Bob is also <laughs> able right to shut off one hemisphere of his brain, <laughs> assuming the other hemisphere is ever on at all. But I can turn um, it off. Turn it on. So Bob's on the clapper. We spent <laughs> we spent about a half an hour, I would say, uh, backstage at Shamu Stadium, getting all this information, answering any question and every question. Didn't matter how tough. And you know what? She knew the answer to everything. And I was really trying to stump her, um, and I couldn't. So from there, we walked over to the Predators of the Deep exhibit. Now, if you've been to SeaWorld before, you'll know this exhibit. This is where all the sharks are. You go through a, a conveyor belt. Uh-huh. And you know, there's a t- you're going through a tube, and you're surrounded by, by this tank. And uh, if you haven't been there before, it is, it is an awesome exhibit. It is. And uh, what she did first was she brought us into uh, the backstage area, and it was like like this little room, and there was a tiny little tank there with a couple of baby sharks. I don't. She told me what kind of sharks they were, and I don't remember. I didn't make a note of it. I should have. But you know. She kind of gave us some background on sharks and some background on, you know, some of the challenges of dealing with sharks. Let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you guys a question. How many sharks do you think are killed in the wild each year? Killed in the wild? How many sharks? Give me a number. How many sharks are killed in the wild by man each year? A hundred thousand. A million. Million. I was going to say a million, too. Million, hundred thousand. Fifty. Fifty thousand. Fifty Two million. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that's, that's a number I would have given. I had to repeat this back to her. I'm not kidding. At least seven times because I could not believe it. 100 million sharks a year huh. are killed in the wild by man. Hmm. Most of it happens Japan. in the waters in Asian continents hmm. because these are considered a delicacy. Hmm. Uh, shark fin soup, for example. Shark fins on the open market in Asia will go for more than $25 a pound. Yeah. So what a lot of these fishermen do is they catch the sharks, they cut the fins off, and then they throw them back to die. It's cruel. It's incredibly cruel. Mm. And you have, uh, I mean, now the United States has very strict rules about that can't be done here. You can't hunt them like that here. Um, But there are a number of, of, of countries who have entered into treaties to not do this, and they get ignored. And there's a whole bunch of other countries that simply won't enter into a treaty. So... You know, it's and the number of the number of shark attacks worldwide ranges between fifty and eighty against against uh, humans, and of that fifty to eighty attacks, less than ten result in a death. Mm. So there's all this, you know, all this fear of sharks because of their image, and yes, they are you know horrifying predators, but 
they have a lot more to be scared of yeah. of us than we will ever have to be scared of uh, with them. Now they had, as I mentioned, they had these two small these two small sharks in this tank, and she said, "You're going to get a chance to pet a shark." Now you guys know me. First of all, I don't eat seafood. I'm not a seafood eater at all. Um, I'm also not, you know, into marine life or any of that. That's, no, that's not my thing. It's just not you. And the concept of putting my hand into a tank with a shark in it, I don't care how small or whatever you're telling me. For whatever reason, though, I didn't hesitate. I had no problem putting my hand in there. Wow. And she said, now what I want you to do is, you know, just kind of take two fingers and pet them along the side. And, oh, wow, very nice and very smooth. And she goes, now go back the other way. And it was like sandpaper. Mm. And I said, oh, that's, that's wild. She goes, do you know why that is? Do you guys know why that is? Well, smooth is so that they can move quickly through the water. I don't no, know. do you know why, they're, they're, why it would be so, so rough coming back the other way? If something bites into them? They have uh, what is called dermidenticles. Um, their skin is not scaly. Their skin are actually rows and rows of teeth. Hmm. And the larger the shark, the sharper it is like if you I, I, I imagine she didn't say this, but the 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 uh, intimation I got from her was like if you went to do that to a great white, not that anybody would pet a great white, but um, you would actually you could actually cut your hand. Well, shark skin was originally um, was the original sandpaper. That's what it felt like to me on this little one. It felt like sandpaper. I guess she was saying on a on a larger shark, it would be far far more more sharp. So that's a like a defense mechanism for a shark. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, it is. So. With, after, this, after she lets us do that and kind of gives us a background, we go up a flight of stairs above the tank where the, uh, where the sharks are. The sharks and the eels and every, every other predator they have in that, in that. Now, here's what made me nervous. The only thing, there's like a, a catwalk that goes around the tank so they have access to it. And the only thing, though, between you and falling into this tank is like a wire, like a mesh, a mesh fence that they have up. And she kept saying, Keep, stay back against the wall. It's a little <laughs> wet. Um, I'm like, okay. I get a picture of you leaning up against the wall. <laughs> and a, there's a picture of me. A yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and then I get a picture of this shock from like Finding Nemo looking. Ha-ha, there's Pete. <laughs> yeah, looking at my Look fat at this behind. guy's Pete's there. Look at my fat behind going, oh, that's a meal. <laughs> If any of the sharks lay fish on top of the water, just leave them alone. Okay? Yeah, really. <laughs> now, scattering cigarettes on top of the water. <laughs> Pete Shut up. <laughs> oh my! So, but we noticed. You know, she's kind of talking to us about uh, you know the temperature they keep the water at. Uh, sharks only breed in certain conditions, and they ensure that the conditions in the tank are never conducive to breeding. Um, they don't want lots of baby sharks, and because they feed on them, the I mean, sharks do not care for their young the way other, the way mammals do. So uh, these sharks have a limited amount of time after they're born to get the heck out of dodge before mom comes. Mom gets hungry. So you know she's explaining this to us, and I'm watching. There's this. Uh, you know, again, we're above the water, and I notice something. A device is moving along the side of the tank. And after a few minutes, I said to her, okay, what, what's that? I thought maybe there was like, you know, they were in there cleaning something or fixing something. And this is actually a, um, another tour. 
And this is another tour you can do, and it's called the Sharks Deep Dive. It is a uh, it's a two hour it's a two hour tour. A lot of it is spent giving you history and information and training. Uh, it's one hundred and fifty dollars per person, um, ten and older only. And uh, what they do is they put you into this tank with a with a trainer with an instructor. And you wear a special, um, you're wearing special underwater scuba equipment. You do not need to be dive certified for this. You have special s- scuba equipment that includes a Sea Trek helmet huh. that allows you to breathe normally. It also has communication equipment so that you are talking to not just your, your instructor or your guide, but also your family who's waiting back for you. You can talk to them as well. And they actually take you into the tank and these sharks are swimming past you and um, that's really I volunteer cool. well <laughs> <laughs> i tell you i i might actually I, I might actually be willing to do that i would do that. it was so the fact that i didn't have to wear any breathing apparatus and that these helmets were really big and it but didn't look like you were really closed in mm-hmm. and that you could breathe normally yeah i could give that a shot Thinking about it, I'm having trouble breathing. <laughs> I describe breathing normally. <laughs> and ah, there's a shot. <laughs> so, you know, so for, and, and I'm going to tell you something. The amount of information that I just gave you was a fraction. Maybe took her about five to ten minutes to tell me that. Um, it was a fraction of the information that it was given that, that you're given. And now again. I am somebody that could take or leave this type of tour. I don't particularly, I mean, I don't have anything against whales or sharks or anything like that, but I don't normally go out of my way to learn about them. It's not something that really appeals to me. I was riveted for the entire hour. It was so interesting. And getting even that close, just being able to see like, like the, uh, the whales behind the scenes and to see how they train them and to see what it was so fascinating. That this tour was twelve dollars. Yeah, mm. I tried, and here's what's funny: is I felt so guilty. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I felt so guilty. I tried to give this woman a twenty dollar tip because she was wonderful. Refused to take it, and you know what she said to me? She goes, "You have no idea how well they take care of us here." She goes, "If you want to do something nice for me and you enjoyed the tour, just stop at guest services and let them know." Mm-hmm. That's nice. And that what I thought was just. <laughs> I wonder if they take donations like towards the whale fund or something. You know? Well, they do actually. There are uh, with I'm not sure if it's uh, with this particular one, but with several of the behind the scenes tours, a portion of the proceeds does go to their conservation fund. Sea World does a lot of animal rescue here, especially with uh, with uh, wounded manatees, with any wounded marine life. I've taken anything, the manatee tour. Anything like that, um, they do a tremendous amount of work. Their facilities, their their animal care facilities. Um, this is a theme park, you know, and I, I, I'd say, you know, Disney does the same thing at Animal Kingdom. Disney yeah. takes, it's a first-class yeah. facility for animals. They go over and above to make sure that they take excellent, excellent care. The Living Seas as well. Yeah, and the Living Seas. Just looking at their, their diet uh, facility that they have for all the animals and going through that, Disney just... Right, well, you know, you hear nightmare stories about zoos and, and other animal exhibits around the country that don't do that and don't take care of them. That is not the case here in Orlando, or at least not between Disney or, or SeaWorld. And SeaWorld, um, there is a, a portion of all the money the park makes that is reinvested not just back in the infrastructure to care for the animals there at the park, but for conservation 
not just around Florida, but also worldwide. They do a lot of really good work. SeaWorld's always been a class act. It is a class act. It's a very, very well-run park. I've always said that. I've always loved SeaWorld. It's immaculate. I I haven't tried their fast food recently. It was a time where they had the best fast food Mm. of any theme park in in Orlando. I can't make that statement now because it's been a while since... Where I go, whenever I'm there, we always go to eat at the uh, at the Shark Restaurant. That's right there in mm-hmm. uh, the Predators uh, in, in the Pred- Predators of the Deep. It's kind of like Coral Reef, where you're, you're inside the tank. Yes, except the food is far yeah. better. Yeah, um, but it's also a very limited menu. I'm not going to do a review on that. We'll send Kevin to do that. But um, <laughs> it's been a long time since we've been to SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, and it's they really man they've made some changes over the last few years in terms of like their waterfront area. Yeah, the waterfront area is nice. But I just want to go. I just want to cover a couple of. Uh, a couple of the of the other uh, $12 tours. Now, I say $12. These prices can range from $12 to $18 uh, per adult and $8 to $12 per child, depending on what time of the year it is. But they have, like, the Saving a Species tour. It's another 60-minute behind-the-scenes look at how they do the animal rescue and rehabilitation release efforts. Uh, you cover uh, manatees, sea turtles, birds, and other animals. Um, the Polar Expedition Tour. Um, you go to Wild Arctic, which mm. is a very, very cool. You want to see a polar bear? Or penguins. And the penguins. Um, that 60-minute tour, um, according to them, features an adventure from the North Pole to the South Pole. You get polar bear, polar bears. Ugh, I can't speak. Polar bears, beluga whales, and a backstage look at the Wild Arctic exhibit and how they care and uh, how they care for the whales and the Everything else, and you also get to touch a Magellanic, Magellanic, M A G E L L A N I C, Magellanic, Magellanic penguin. Hmm. Um, I'd love to pet a penguin. You're looking at me for Kevin. <laughs> and aren't beluga whales the ones with the really big forehead? And they're white. Yes. Yeah, those would be cool to see. <laughs> yeah, they're very cool to see. Yeah. Bob, who can't read an email, knows how to say ma- Magellanic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, really. Um, now, some of the other tours that are a little bit more expensive, you have the Adventure Express Tour. This is a guided tour with front-of-the-line access to various rides and, and, and reserve seating at shows. You get fish to feed the dolphins and sea lions. Um, you can touch a penguin. You have lunch backstage at Shamu Stadium. Um, and you get, you get a guide to guide you know a tour guide to take you through everything. It's a seven-hour tour. $120 per adult, $100 per child, ages 3 to 9. That's not bad. You have the Elite Adventure Express, which I was having trouble getting pricing on. And this is billed as a first-class experience that takes you, uh, you get to do, uh, you get a team of planning experts that customizes each experience for you. And they create the perfect itinerary based on what you'd like. You get the best seats in the house for two live shows, front-of-the-line access at all the attractions, one-on-one encounters with some of SeaWorld's uh, most popular uh, animals, and you have uh, you top the day off with dinner at the Sharks Underwater Grill. That's what I was just talking about. And uh, which is that? I, I said, well, as oh. I said in the beginning, I was having trouble getting pricing on that. I think it's, uh, I think they don't they don't give the pricing out because it is a tailored a tailored tour, so okay. it might it might vary. vary. Depending on just as choice. you know, the, the regular Adventure Express tour is one hundred and twenty dollars per person. I think you should expect that's going to be at least half again as much, if not double. Hmm. Uh, but the, the, there's also the uh, Dolphin Spotlight, which is where you actually get to interact with a bottlenose dolphin. And uh, that's a 60-minute walking tour. 
and it runs for $50 for adults and $40 for children. So they have a number of these, and they're, they're extremely – and that's not even all the tours. I just wanted to give you a highlight of some of them. I enjoy the self-guided Anheuser-Busch tour. That's always fun. <laughs> Corey likes the free beer. <laughs> when I first moved to Orlando, an annual pass at SeaWorld is about the same price as a one-day ticket. Yeah. And SeaWorld is one of those places we are, we're often asked, I'm going to be traveling by myself. Will I feel weird with all the families around me in Disney? SeaWorld is one of those places where you can go and get lost by yourself. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I used to go over because I didn't know anybody at the time. I had moved away from my family and friends, and I used to spend a lot of time around the uh, sea lion exhibit. It was fun. I used to get lunch and go over and sit along the sea, around the sea lions and watch them. It's the kind of place where you feel really comfortable by yourself. Yeah. Now, the only criticism I have of that day, um, and certainly nothing to do with the backstage tours, but we went on a journey to Atlantis, and I'll <sighs> save this for a more in-depth discussion, but it's time for them to rehab that ride. It's like a it's like a roller coaster ride through rooms to go. <laughs> oh, that's a review. That's a little rough. I think that might be a little harsh, but um, it absolutely. I see. I've always enjoyed Journey to Atlantis. I thought it was a cool ride, um, but it, it's it, a lot of the a lot of the uh, a lot of the effects weren't working. You could tell the stuff was old and had been worn. It's like, all right, guys. You know, I'm glad you're putting the money into your animals, but you may have to put some aside for your attractions too. But um, but so that's my uh, that's my report cool. on the behind the scenes tours at SeaWorld, and that'll do it for that segment. It will also do it for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with you again next Tuesday with another edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.